Hello, everybody. Welcome to DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, June 23rd of 2022. Uh, I am recording this show a little bit differently here today. Uh, this is not live, unfortunately. Uh, we made we made a strong effort at doing our normal live show here today, uh, but we are having a bit of internet issues here uh, at my home office, and we tried and and failed. We had about 15 minutes uh, of pretty choppy content, so uh, we killed the stream. And I'm going to be answering everybody's questions here uh, on the recorded version of the show, which we'll get up to to YouTube here, uh, I guess, as soon as we're done. So for a great many of you, this will probably be not different at all. I know there are a bunch of you here uh, that typically watch and listen to the recording of this show here uh, anyway. But for my normal live audience, I apologize for the issues today. We will try to get those resolved here for tomorrow and come back strong live here tomorrow. But uh, we do have our normal questions uh, here to answer. So I'm going to start over. I know there were a couple questions that we had answered at the start of that live show. Uh, I unpublished that from YouTube just because I, I don't think that was uh, a very good piece of content that we were creating there. So we're going to start over here. Um, and I'm going to start, I think the only thing that will be a little bit tricky with this particular episode here uh, is I don't have a good way of pulling any of this up on my screen, the questions up on my screen here uh, for today's show. Um, so I will just I will just read them here. Uh, we'll do the best we can with this here. So I wanted to start here going back and answering a, a question from Tim. Uh, and he said, I work full time and play daily MLB DFS. I need a replicable process that I can use that's simple and quick. I don't have the time to do research. Is there a process that you can recommend that's plus EV using your tool? Uh, and I think, Tim, you are very lucky. I think you came to the right place here. Uh, there's no better tool really on the DFS market that I would say that's that's more uh, GPP ready than Sabersim. When you're using other traditional optimizers out there, basically you get a tool that consumes average projections for players uh, and then builds the highest average projected lineups as possible. And to get that tool to do things like take into account correlation and ownership and the fact that players don't score their average projections all the time, uh, you have to set all the rules and groups and, and basically configure that tool to build lineups that resemble lineups that actually have, have upside, right? Uh, SaberSim is built for this. SaberSim understands upside at a very natural level. Uh, and that's because uh, we have the only tool that understands how to use correlation and ownership fade and take into account variance uh, in a way that adjusts based on the sport you're playing and the slate size you're playing and the contest you're playing. So um, while it is not perfect, I really do believe that you are going to get very good lineups just going to SaberSim every day, uh, using our sims and projections, telling us what contest you are building lineups for and running the build. Uh, and, and basically taking the lineups that you get and, and using those. There are a lot of different ways to add value. The ceiling is immense here. You can take the baseline, the foundation that Saberson gives you and go very far with it. But since you mentioned, you know, you don't have a lot of time to, to do research, to add value, to do those kinds of things, uh, in a, in a time constrained process, I don't think there's any tool out there that's going to build better lineups than Saberson will in a limited amount of time. If you have a little bit of time, if you have five minutes, I think you can do a lot just here on the post-build process, adjusting your exposures here. And one thing that's really cool about SaberSim is that, you know, let's say you're, you're building for a 20 max kind of contest, right? You want 20 lineups. We don't just build you 20, we build you 500. So you can make adjustments here and we'll sort through and find the best 20 out of your pool that fit what you're trying to do. So a really good example of that, right? Like, so we just built this here and we have 80% 
uh, of some of these Cincinnati bats, which which seems like a lot for me, right? You don't, Maybe you don't need 16 out of 20 lineups to have Nick Senzel here. We can adjust this down to maybe say a quarter, 25% of our lineups, and we'll just go straight through that pool of 500 and find the best 20 where we have max 25 Senzel, right? Uh, you know, maybe we come back over here too and also say, you know, do we need 90% Braxton Garrett? I think at the moment as I'm recording this, he's having a great game, uh, but probably not. Maybe we only want 60%, right? Uh, and we can adjust these here and dial things in. And when we're happy, right, this whole process only took a couple minutes, uh, we can get these lineups into our contest. So because Saberson understands what it takes to build a good GPP lineup, I actually think there's no better tool out there for building good ones uh, quickly in the time you have than Saberson. Uh, so one other question I know Tim had here also as well was how accurate are the ownership projections in the optimizer? Uh, they are very, very good, especially for the main sports. Uh, the main sports, I would say, are football, baseball, and basketball. What we do is we basically take an industry aggregated projection and then build thousands of lineups using actually using Sabersim. And the exposure of, of how much we're getting to certain players becomes the ownership projections of how much we think the field is going to use those players. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty robust system. Um, What's really cool about it is because it doesn't really require a lot of human intervention. We have ownership projections for every slate. Uh, we can You can go in and pick like any random showdown slate that particular day, uh, and we'll have ownership projections for that particular contest. Uh, we have ownership projections for all of the, the other turbo slates, the night slates, things like that. They update uh, as quickly as we simulate games out as well. Um, so pretty cool thing there. As you break into some of the smaller contest types, things like, or some of the smaller sports, uh, NASCAR, um, MMA, golf, uh, things like that, you know, the ownership projections may not always be as perfect. Um, we're working to improve the ownership models across the board here. Uh, but for now I would, I would say that, you know, at least for the big three, um, they are, they are very, very good. So. Um, okay, I'm going to now go over to uh, Slack here and answer some of the questions here that, that were in the, the Slack um, channel here. So the first one was from uh, Jesse, and he said, when you run your, relates pretty well to what we were just talking about. When you run your MLB build and see you have 70% of the lowest projected team on the slate, how do you feel inside? Also, how do you recommend approaching it? I recognize it's a leverage play, uh, but I feel like I get realistic leverage with a lot less exposure since no one will be comfortable playing them. Yeah, so I think the Reds are actually a pretty good example here uh, of that, right? Where we we built this build here and we're getting, um, you know, a ton of exposure to, well, actually, let's do it. Let's do a brand new build here and start over and see what we get here. Um, but when we ran that first one, I expect to get it again here, right? A lot of reds. And like how much reds is too much reds? Well, for me, a lot of this is a personal risk tolerance thing. Uh, but for me, I feel like that would be too much risk. That would be more risk than I'm comfortable with. I like to play pretty diversified. I like to get exposure to a lot of different players and teams and stacks. So on a six-game slate, seeing that I have 80% exposure to any team, it doesn't even have to be the lowest projected team, I would probably think I'm going to back off that a little bit and try to get a little bit more exposure to a lot of different other kind of players. Um, so actually, I guess for this build, we got a, a different result here, but you know, still a lot of exposure to uh, Dodgers bats, for example, right? Maybe we want to bring that exposure down here a little bit. The main thing that I like to look at is look, I look for uh, basically outliers with my leverage column here, right? I don't want a situation where um, I am, I have a big outlier in how exposed I am to any one batter or just a few batters. So if this said like 60% and this was 50% and then there was a big drop off down to 22, 
right? To me, there's rarely a situation where I want to just be overwhelmingly exposed to like one or two batters because all of these guys at the end of the day, their most common outcomes is almost always zero or scoring very closely to zero. So I typically bring down my exposures on my batters uh, until I'm comfortable with my, my personal uh, level of exposure for those particular players. Um, and I think that's a really good way to add value, especially in a high variance sport like baseballs, is just making sure that those exposures are in line with your risk tolerance. The answer is not going to be the same for everybody. Some people are going to look at that and say, wow, there's a huge leverage opportunity on Cincinnati and I want to go all in. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? That's fine too. Maybe you want that that very high leverage. Maybe you want to take a big stand there. Uh, but that's going to be a big personal risk tolerance thing that, that's going to differ for individual players. So, um. Okay, and then this was a question from Rogue here. We're getting close to uh, some of the last questions that I was able to get to live. Uh, and he said, uh, I know I asked yesterday about another slate analysis slash specific stream, uh, but could we maybe instead get a post-mortem breakdown of an MLB slate and how one could potentially get SaberSim to generate that perfect pink lineup and what that process might look like? So I would be careful about going back to a past slate and trying to figure out in SaberSim how to optimize for the highest scoring lineup possible. Uh, the main reason why is, you know, what you're ultimately going to end up doing, I think, is over-engineering and over-optimizing for a slate that, that already happened uh, and is never going to happen again. And I think at best, that's just not a very good use of time. At worst, right, the, the concern here, the risk here is that I think you might start reading in patterns that are kind of random here, right? Like, you know, today's a six-game slate. If you come in here after the slate's over and, and you know, start engineering things and maybe you end up finding, um, you know, maybe you're looking at this and maybe Braxton Garrett is the guy, right? If Braxton Garrett is the, the optimal pitcher, right? Um, and I don't, I don't know whoever else is having success on this particular slate as I'm recording this, but I know he's having a pretty good game. And maybe Kyle Wright uh, or, or Kershaw struggle, right? Well, you don't necessarily want to leave that and think, oh, on six-game slates, I should fade the two expensive pitchers. Because one, I mean, it's one data point, but two, like... That that might just be that might be more related to the the weather or the hitting environment or um, or maybe one guy's dealing with an injury or, or something like that right like there's so many other things at play that engineering figuring out how to play a past slate and like what buttons to press and what order is never going to take into account the actual complexity of that situation in that particular day's game um, you'll probably leave you know sometimes people come onto the show and ask me here like hey what do you think about this process and I'll the process will be full of like I eliminate all players who are projected for less than, I don't know, 90 pitches. And then I eliminate all pit players that are projected for less than uh, 0.1 home runs per game and, and all of these different things. And I can tell that at some point that somebody's tried to go through and reverse engineer a process by by doing those particular slates that way. Uh, if you wanted to get SaberSim, to, to, I think this is always a good example of why this isn't a good use of time. The best way overall to... Uh, optimize for the perfect bank lineup using SaberSim for a slate that's already passed is to download the actual scores and upload them as custom projections, right? That's the best way to do it. And that kind of goes to show you why, like, if you didn't do that and still tried to engineer the best lineup out of SaberSim out for an old slate, you would essentially be still trying to accomplish that with just a way less efficient process, right? But it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't help you. But what can you actually do here uh, instead as a process of review? I think there is some value to, to reviewing slates. I think it's more of a quantity over 
I think it's more of a quantity than like a quality kind of thing here. I think if you're going, I think you would be better off spending five to 10 minutes to review every slate you play than trying to spend an hour or two hours on a specific slate and trying to get something useful out of it. Uh, the big thing is I would ask yourself, what are the core assumptions that you were using to build your lineups? Like what does your strategy revolve around? For me, like very core to the research builds and the way that I think about DFS just overall is is pretty heavily ownership focused. So a lot of times I will look at the ownership projections, especially if I made any adjustments to them and see if I was generally kind of right. Like a big factor to me, you know, if I'm if I'm under on Kershaw on this slate, which I actually am, right? That's contingent on him being 38 and a half percentage points owned. And I actually think my ownership projections had him a little bit higher than that. I think I I bumped him up based on what I was seeing before this slate locked, right? But, you know, fading him is contingent on this actually happening. If he comes in at 25% owned, right? I was, I mean, not only was the Saberson ownership projections kind of off, but I was directionally off, right? He came in under what we actually expected. And again, I, I maybe he did, I don't know. But that to me would be a good use of review because it would be an opportunity to say, okay, hey, the next time this situation comes up or something that resembles the situation, maybe I should be a little more careful assuming that that player is going to be, you know, highly projected um, when, or highly, highly owned when maybe he won't, right? And being careful about those kinds of things. Um, and that's not necessarily, that's only for my process, right? If your process is more about, you know, researching, I don't know, there could be a variety of different things that you look into. Maybe you dive into some advanced stats or, or stat cast data, or, you know, look at the premises of why you're making your decisions. And after the slate, see if they were, they were accurate, right? Um, you know, maybe you, uh, maybe you faded a pitcher because in the last couple starts, his velocity on his fastball has been down, right? That's a pretty good example that a pitcher, you know, is maybe dealing with some injury or just kind of struggling in general is, is velocity on their pitches. And maybe that pitcher goes out and they throw a great game and, uh, they get kind of, kind of lucky, I guess, like six innings, they don't give up any runs, uh, maybe like five strikeouts, like just a decent game overall. And you're like, dang, I was wrong. Well, one way to check that would be to actually go and like look and dig up, you know, what was the velocity on those pitches in that game? Did he did he all of a sudden have it back? Or were you right that maybe models are missing something that this guy's actually dealing with an injury or something like that? Um, I think another thing that you can do, one other thing here as well, is look at what other top players are doing. And like in particular, you know, I always like to check on Giant Squid. Um, and see what he's up to. So you can go and use this Roto Grinders here results DB dashboard. It's a free tool on Roto Grinders, uh, and it'll show you basically what lineups look like in past contests. And I think this can be very useful if you have a specific question or something that you're specifically trying to dig up. So I like to go back here and look, and I'll go back to the the flagship GPP from yesterday. Um, ooh, a unique. That's cool. Um, a unique uh, single a single bullet took down the flagship yesterday, which is always kind of cool. Um, but We'll go see. And if you have a specific question, you know, how did Giant Squid handle the slate last night? And let me go back uh, to last night's slate here and remind myself what this looked like um, so I can kind of remember what I did. And we'll see. Um, okay, so here's a good example. So yesterday, so yesterday the, the Cubs were pretty chalky, right? They're in a good hitting environment. They're, they're, they were against Jared Eikhoff for the Pirates, who's just a terrible pitcher. They were projected pretty well. Um, they were pretty chalky, but I, when I actually built my lineups, I actually thought they were pretty efficiently owned. So I ended up about even with the field on a pretty chalky team, chalky stack, which isn't something I end up normally doing. And maybe I want to go see, you know, what did, uh, what was uh, Giant Squid's approach, right? How did he handle that particular situation? Uh, and I can go over here and look, like, who were his biggest his biggest overall fades, or who were his biggest overall stands. Um, and it looks like, you know, over the field on Contreras, over the field on Hap, over the field on Ortega. Now, I mean, Squid lost 
last night, right? Um, doesn't win every night. Nobody does. Doesn't mean just because that's what he did that that's the right thing to do. But if I was unsure, if I was like, hey, this seems a little weird. I don't know if I should have done this. It can be somewhat reassuring to say, hey, you know what? Actually, a player that I know is like a pretty strong player, uh, pretty good player overall, also was well over the field on this same stack. And it doesn't have to just be Squid. Any other, you know, top pros that, that you respect and kind of trust their opinions, um, you can you can look up other players in this this dashboard. But I think this can be a really good way of Asking if you have specific questions to ask, uh, seeing what other players did. And the reason why I'm saying specific question to ask is because the thing I would be careful of here in particular is not coming to this dashboard with purpose and then having the same problem you have with trying to reverse engineer a slate on SaberSim. And that's reading a pattern into lineups that isn't there, right? If you just try to just sit here and look at lineups and kind of slowly just like piece together a process, you will probably mistake signal for noise and vice versa and and not get a lot out of that but if you ask you know what were the lineup constructions used what types of stacks were used um how was the exposure on on some of these players versus other how, what were his exposures to the top stacks versus the field that kind of thing i think that could be really useful so um that could be a, a pretty good tool there as well but i will tell you what it feels uh very lonely here doing this all by myself here today i miss you guys so anybody listening to this i'm very excited to be live here tomorrow um, because it, it feels pretty weird doing this in this format here today. Um, so hopefully we're back here tomorrow, but, um, in the meantime, what we'll do, I'll continue to go through. Uh, I have, um, a couple other questions that were, were posted in Slack. We'll hit those first, uh, and then I'll get to the questions that did come in live before the stream failed. Uh, and then we'll get this up on YouTube here for you guys. So, um, Aaron had asked about how much is your top exposure for a single MLB team stack? It's going to depend a lot on the size of the slate. First of all, how many teams are out there? right? Um, that's probably the biggest factor. It also depends a lot on how many lineups I'm playing, right? On 20 lineups, I might be a little bit more comfortable like taking a bigger stand, but I typically play 150 every night. Um, so I, I generally like to be pretty spread out. Um, you know, on a six game slate like we have here today. It also, I guess the one thing I should note, it does depend on slate context quite a bit as well. Um, so, you know, like on today's uh, early slate, for example, you know, when I built my lineup, similar to what SaberSim is kind of saying here, like I looked at this situation and I said, yes, the Dodgers are going to be the chalkiest team on the slate. But I also thought that they were far and away the best hitting option. Uh, so I actually ended up, my, my most owned stack is actually the Dodgers. And I have like 40% in 150 lineups to them. Um, I think probably, you know, on the average 6 to 12 game baseball slate when I'm building 150 lineups, I would say on average, my highest owned stack ends up probably somewhere between 25 and 40%. Um, that's kind of just a heuristic. That's kind of my play style. That's not necessarily means that's that's what's right for everybody, but that's about where I end up. Um, but I do think that is an important question. Instead of just saying, oh, that's what Jordan does. That's what I'm going to do. I would ask that question for yourself, right? How comfortable are you uh, with the risk associated with having, you know, different exposures. You know, for some people, like one thing that I have to accept with my strategy of DFS play is that there are going to be slates where my highest owned stack is the highest scoring team and I still lose because I don't give myself enough shots with that team to realize that that edge. And I'm okay with that because what I earn back is I, I have a lower percent chance of, you know, bricking a slate and I have kind of more... I feel like I have more balanced top 1% equity on a slate-to-slate -slate basis. But if that would be frustrating to you, then you might want to be more concentrated, right? Like, let's say you said, uh, I'm going to be, you know, I really like, I really like, let's say, you know, the Braves, I know the Braves are going off as I'm recording this, right? Maybe you say, I like the Braves today. And your top stack is the Braves and you have 30% Braves, right? And then the slate plays out, they score whatever, how many runs they have, 
probably like eight now at this point, um, and you still lose, right? If that would be like frustrating to you, more frustrating than bricking a slate, you might want to have more exposure to your top overall stack. So it's a personal risk tolerance thing. You, you kind of have to answer for yourself. Um, but, and then Matt had asked, uh, I think you may have mentioned at one point, the ability to combine builds was a feature in the work. Any idea if that's coming this MLB season? I don't want to, I don't want to make any promises about anything coming for, for this baseball season. Um, I think that is definitely still on our radar. That's still something we want to do. Um, I think for bigger feature releases like that, at this point, we're talking probably more about trying to have those ready for like a, uh, NFL kickoff kind of thing, um, for us. So, but it is on the roadmap. It is something we still want to do. So, but. Um, Mills, I missed this question. Mills had said, here's a question that's been weighing on me. How do you deal with the O'Neill Cruz PTSD? I just saw the Pirates are up 1-0 and I broke down thinking, oh no, not again. Yeah, sometimes you end up with those like very narratively driven chalky players. We ha we're having that this week with, with O'Neill Cruz. A um, lot of excitement about him getting called up and uh, his potential. You know, I think at the end of the day, those guys are going to go off sometimes. The chalk's going to go crazy uh, and you you got to live with it. Um, but it, it sure is, sure is frustrating. Um, and, you know, maybe in that case, try to be, you know, I try to be the sports fan there. Because I think O'Neal, I think O'Neal is a pretty exciting prospect. 6'7 shortstop uh, that, like, hits for power and is is skilled in the field and throws the ball from, from short to first at 98 miles an hour is just pretty cool. So uh, if we have to watch him hit a couple dingers uh, at 25% owned, so be it. So, um, all right, cool. Let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and bounce over to a couple of the questions here um, that had come in uh, in in YouTube chat here. Um, actually, I don't think there were as many as I thought before we had to cancel the stream. So, uh, But Josh had said, every day I fade chalk, it goes crazy. Uh, every day I play chalk, they score zero runs. Uh, and then a, uh, a comment about not liking baseball DFS. Baseball uh, can can do that to you. Um, it it can feel that way sometimes. Um it's it's tough if you if you do the right things in basketball, like for example, I think you're rarely to just have like just a terrible slate where just everything goes wrong and you just totally brick the slate if you play you know mostly the best plays just because you know players generally unless they get hurt or something like that their most common outcomes are going to be around their mean. It's not like that in baseball, so the the variance swings can be pretty rough. But um. And then, let's see, Patrick had asked, uh, when can we get more lineup pools than the 1500 allotted? I enjoy doing several 150 maxes in the same build. Um, we're, we're talking about adding that. Um, that's something that, that we're working on that, that is on the roadmap here for us. So, but. And uh, that takes us to all of the questions that I had had asked of me here today. So again, um, a, a strange stream here today. Uh, where we had to work with what we got, right? Uh, we, we play the hand we're dealt. Uh, rough internet today. We did this one not recorded here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and cap it off there. This should be, well, if you're listening to this, I guess you don't really care when it's going to be up on, on YouTube because you will have already listened to it. So that is my I'm that is my uh, habits of hosting this stream live, my, my typical conclusion. But um, I will be back on stream tomorrow, hopefully live at 2 p.m. Eastern with, with all of these internet issues worked out. Um, Thank you for, for everybody's patience here today. I hope uh, you have uh, good luck in the rest of the, the early slate, and I will see everybody tomorrow. Take care.